This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show. I hope you're doing good. I hope you are well today. Tuesday. Oh, I gotta keep saying these days until the the international break is over. It's just such a horrible, horrible feeling. But there is plenty of good Arsenal news to talk about. There's plenty of Arsenal stuff. To discuss as well of course so make sure if you haven't done so already subscribe to the channel and drop a like on today's video to stay up to date with everything arsenal throughout this annoying international break period thank you so much for you guys for continuing to show your support to the channel and tuning in every single morning as well good morning kaiser always throwing in first i mean there's gonna have to be challenges made for who can actually get the first good morning in because kaiser is smashing it right now colin uh mike social alex stevie good morning to all of you guys philip harvey chris anthony paul jonathan paul again we've got another book so many pauls last temmy tom jason gustavo black and blanco caleb wahid uh thank you so much guys for tuning in so many more of you as well apologies that i can't name Everybody, I would literally spend the entire show uh, throwing out good morning. So thank you to all of you. Absolute legends. Um, Also, please do go check out the show yesterday evening. uh, I did with John and Judges and French. We did a podcast talking about the game, talking about whether or not we should trust the process or not. It was a really good hours chat. So do go tune in for that. And uh, also, I was over on the Arsenal Lounge with Mo Haider and Shaheen and Lev. So make sure you go and listen back to that as well. But without further ado, let's uh, kick off by telling you, as always, to go subscribe to the Arsenal Way. Yesterday, I was joined by Kai Karnak and Chris Wheatley to talk through a lot of the game as well and go through some Arsenal January transfer news, talk specifically about Vlovic, uh, the Serbian striker for Fiorentina, who I've now learned to pronounce much better. Uh, so if you want to go listen to that, you can do by clicking on the link to the channel. We just hit 4,000 subscribers over there. So thank you so much for everybody that's joined us uh, over on that channel. It's growing really quickly, uh, and I'm really, really proud of what we're doing over there. So continue to show the support, people. That's all I can say. Continue to do the good work that you're doing and uh, and helping support us over there as well. 
We kick off today, though, with the news that Mark Overmars is the latest guy to turn down a role at Newcastle. They did appoint Eddie Howe as their new coach. However, uh, their sporting director position is still very much unfulfilled. It's not. Uh, it's certainly a position they're struggling with to find someone to take up the role. I'm sure that there's no shortage of people that would like to take that role at Newcastle. But of the upper echelons of the really top quality individuals who can do that role, Mark Overmars certainly is one for his great work at Ajax over the last decade plus. He has decided to stay at the Amsterdam Arena and the former Arsenal man, of course, will not be moving to the Premier League side to help them try and overtake his former side uh, in the Premier League. So good news. Don't want as, as little help for Newcastle as possible. Send them down, I say. Get them in the championship. That's where we want to see them go. Let's move on to the next story, which is around Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who was asked after his impressive display against Watford what his future holds, and in particular was asked directly about that Instagram post at the end of the transfer into that very famous let me leave emojis, crying emojis or whatever it was, adding Arsenal directly in the story. He was asked about that. And he said, that's all in the past now. I'm just thinking about the future and what's ahead of me. Fair play to the guy. Look, at the end of the day, he made a mistake. We've squashed that now. He has squashed it with Mikel Arteta. They held clear the air talks days after that happened. And in fact, he started the game against Norwich, if you remember, only a few days after that whole fiasco actually happened. So clearly that was all cleared away and squared away. And now he's putting in some really top performances for Arsenal. Fingers crossed, of course, that Thomas Partey comes back from his injury very soon. But with the performance put in by Maitland-Niles, it does appear that he is more than capable of competing at the top level when called upon. Speaking of other players, not particularly happy about their future. Uh, Miguel Aziz has been speaking about the difficulties faced at Portsmouth. He's not really played many games so far for Pompey. Uh, in fact, there was rumours circulating that Arsenal were reportedly considering even recalling him this winter. I reported that story uh, quite a while ago, actually, that the club were considering bringing him back to the club in the winter. Chris Wheatley followed that up, and uh, I believe it was only last week that he reported that. In fact, London does understand that that is the case. Uh, rumours are rumours. He says the internet always wants to find out things you don't know. I'm happy here. And while I'm here, I'm going to give my all. Now, it doesn't obviously categorically say that there's, there's no truth in the idea that he could return to the club in the winter. It's a very much open-ended, media-savvy response to those calls and those rumours. We want to see him playing. That's all we want to see with Miguel Aziz. He's a really talented young kid that desperately needs more time on the senior side of the field. It was a really good idea to send him to Portsmouth, in my mind, when it happened. It's not necessarily worked out. I don't think Danny Cowley thought that Portsmouth were going to be down at the bottom end of League One fighting for their lives. And maybe now that they're starting to push away and to get into some better form, Aziz can come into the fold a bit more and be given some more opportunities. Fingers crossed that happens. Now we move on to the final two main stories of the day, which of course revolve around the fantastic news for our two young internationals, full internationals now. First of all, Gabriel Magalhaes has been called up for the Brazilian national side. Amazing opportunity for him. A really, really top quality achievement. He's deserved this for some time. He was called up, of course, to the Olympic squads in the summer, but faced that injury, which kept him out for quite some time. I think it was a knee issue that he suffered. Uh, he unfortunately couldn't get involved with the Olympic squad that Martinelli obviously went away and won gold in. 
but now very much part of the scenery of the Brazilian international senior squad. Brilliant, really, really, really good news for him. I don't buy into the stuff about I'd rather these players stayed at home and weren't injured, etc. But look, it's part and parcel of the football and it's really good experience for them. And these types of games is only going to develop and improve them and let them learn more to improve their game. So that's all that I want to see from our players. And that's what we've got from uh, Gabriel Magalhaes. And of course, yesterday as well, we learned the news that Emil Smith-Rowe earned his first call-up for the England international side. Amazing news for him. Really, really positive stuff for our young 21-year-old attacking midfielder. That Let's be real, he's got more goals and assists than Grealish, more goals and assists than Foden all in the league right now. Way, way better performer than Jaden Sancho has been. He's been better than Mason Mount. We all know that he has. He's been brilliant for Arsenal this season. Uh, arguably uh, England's best attacking midfielder alongside Conor Gallagher of uh, Crystal Palace on loan from Chelsea as well. So those two have been smashing it. It was obviously going to be between him and Conor Gallagher who got that call up. Emil Smith-Rowe earned his right to get that place in the England squad and we wish him the absolute best of luck in those games. He's going to be playing against San Marino and Albania. You would think that he's going to get a, a minute or two in the, in the San Marino game. That would make a lot of sense. Hopefully he does. And we obviously wish the best of luck for Ramsdale. Ramsdale hopefully will get his first cap for England during this break too. And Bukayo Saka, uh, very much established amongst the England team already. But uh, he in particular is certainly going to be one to watch alongside our other three representatives. Nice. I think this is, I can't remember the last time Arsenal had four international call-ups for the first team. I'm really trying to genuinely think of when that might have happened. It might have been early 2000s, late 90s that that happened. It doesn't happen all that often. Uh, I'm trying to think back to periods where we've had a few England players. Sol Campbell, Ashley Cole and the Invincible squad. Beyond that, I'm struggling. Um, David Seaman, Tony Adams, uh, Nigel Winterburn, Lee Dixon. Obviously, you've got quite a few there. But I mean, Nigel Winterburn, I don't, even think, did, I don't think Nigel Winterburn even got a call up to the England squad, did he? So it's been a long, long time that we haven't seen... Uh, four call-ups from the Arsenal squad into the England team. And it's great to see. So uh, brilliant stuff from Smith-Rowe. And uh, it certainly gives us a little bit more interest in watching those England games during this break. That concludes all of today's news, which means we're on the last part of the show, which is getting your thoughts, your theories, your question and queries into the chat box. So if you do have a question, please do throw it in and we will go through as many of these as feasibly possible. We start off with MCPE, who says, Tom, do you think Manchester City and Chelsea aren't actually doing great business because their benches themselves could beat half the Prem table? Lost value in talent sitting around. Look, they don't have to. The differences between a club like Chelsea, Man City and then Arsenal is that Arsenal can't afford to lose on their transfers. Arsenal have to show a return on every single one of the players that they bring into the club. Every single player that they invest in, they need to see that player succeed. Man City, Chelsea don't need to do that because they've got an endless pit of money from their owners. They can just keep recycling players. Oh, that didn't work out. Benjamin Mendy's not worked out. Uh, we've seen players like uh, Eloquim Mangala not work out. Chelsea have brought in the likes of Tiamu Bakayoko, Danny Drinkwater, even Ross Barkley. Like They've brought in these players that have not necessarily returned on their investment. And it doesn't matter for them. It matters for Arsenal. They need to see their returns and their investment. Willian, huge mistake. Cost us a lot of money during that year. It was on like 200 grand a year uh, for the year that he was here. So that's what, 
a ridiculous amount of money, isn't it, that we're, we're talking about us losing uh, on a player like Willian. You're, you're talking the millions of wages that we've paid out to that guy and uh, it's not worked out. I mean, the Ozil contract that we gave him, the Abamian contract, these types of investments have not paid back what we've paid into them and we need to ensure that we're more, uh, you know, that we're more consistent with the way in which we are successful with signings. Ramsdale, Lukonga, Tavares, Erdogan, uh, Tomiyasu, Ben White. The six signings this season have been great bits of investment so far. Uh, and fingers crossed that continues into the rest of the season. Uh, let's scroll up a little bit more to make sure I've not missed anything. Manu says, first of all, I hope you all have a wonderful morning. I'm uh, like I'm having you absolute legends. It's good to hear people that are having great mornings. Manu, I hope you're having a great day, mate. My question is, with all of our academy talents coming through, remind me what makes Aziz tick. Loving the vids. Um, Aziz is certainly a player that can play. It's really kind of yet to specialise, I suppose. He's kind of your, he is your box-to-box midfielder. He's been played in an attacking midfield, midfield role for uh, Portsmouth at times, but can play in an even deeper position. He needs to learn the roles of the deeper midfield position. He needs to add that physicality, that defensive style to his game. But he's really good on the ball. Technical ability is great. He can possess a great shot from outside the box. We know that from pre-season, but he scored a couple of bangers for the England youth sides as well. So he's a bit of an all-rounder in terms of a mid central midfielder and certainly one that will come through and provide Arsenal with plenty of versatile qualities that we'll need in the team. Um, we have three call-ups for England. You're right, sorry. Uh, I just assumed, didn't I? I just assumed that White was there because he should be. Only three call-ups. Maybe it's not as recent and since we've had that one then. Um, Wilson says, are you serious that Smith Rowe has been called up to the England squad, Tom? I am serious, Wilson. I'm always serious. Don't call me Shirley. Uh, John says, with the rise of the women's game, do you see a woman making the Premier League uh, in the next 20 years? Or is that a wall that won't be cracked? Um, uh, John, I'm assuming what you're asking is, could a woman player break into the men's game? That I'd it's not actually allowed as far as I'm aware. Uh, in fact, it's we, uh, males and females are separated from an exceptionally young age. There is a certain age in which uh, girls and boys can um, compete on the same field, but I, I can't remember what age it is, but it's a ridiculously young age that actually uh, boys and girls do separate. And that in part uh, actually is a big detrimental impact to the women's game because the, the infrastructure in place for boys football is so much more developed. There's so much more available for boys football than there is women's football. Uh, and so because of that, when that split happens and the very talented female players at a very young age split apart from playing against their male counterparts, it, it does lower the, the quality of opposition they're going up against because obviously there's less infrastructure. There's not as much development going on in the women's game at the moment at a young, young age. It's getting better. Um, but no, John, there's no way that a, a woman would cross over into the men's game um, because it's there's the regulations in place don't allow that to happen. What I would say, what you could argue, is that a female coach could cross over into the men's game. In fact, uh, I can't remember the name of the old England, uh, England women's team uh, manager. Um, her name escapes me. But she interviewed for a League One job years and years ago. Didn't get the job. Um, but she, I remember that I remember a story saying that she interviewed for one. Um, and England women's national team managers. Um, I need to, I need to find out who that was because that's going to bug me so much. Uh, let me go down. Hope Powell, was it Hope Powell? Yes, 
Yes, it was. It was Hope Powell. Um, she interviewed for, I'm pretty sure I heard a story back in the day, she interviewed for a League One job, didn't get it. But that's the only way that you would see a female crossover into the men's game, other than obviously officiating. We're seeing a lot of female officials now crossover into the men's game, doing a really good job, uh, as you would expect. They're very well trained. And so... No, you won't see it with players. You can see it with officials. We might see it with coaches. That's something that could happen. And punditry, I suppose. Well, yes, thank you, guys, in the chat box. Hope, pal. <laughs> you all, I wasn't scrolling down the chat box. So whilst you were all telling me who it was, I was still searching out. Um, but there you go. So I hope that answers your question, John. Uh, let's scroll down. Gustavo says, hey, Tom, which midfielder would you prefer, Zacharia or Essien? <laughs> Essien? I mean, what is he's retired now, is he not? <laughs> so Zachariah, obviously. Akshat says these teams have loads of exp expensive flops, but no one cares. We have one or two and are ridiculed endlessly. It's, just, it's part and parcel of football, Akshat. I'm afraid it's just the way that football goes. Uh, let's go to uh, maybe he talks about manager. Yes, as, as I said, Manu. That's it was. I certainly thought it might be a coach uh, that crosses over. Um, Paul says, will we be seething or seeing, oh, sorry, will we see the England crowd singing the Emil Smith-Rowe Saka song? If there's enough Arsenal fans in the crowd, maybe we will hear it. Uh, Max says, morning, Tom. Love the channel. Honestly, I foresee another Serge Gnabry and Doniel Marlon possibly happening with someone like Miguel Aziz, Maitland-Niles. Who could we be talking about? Plenty of stuff that there is there. Wilson, I have no idea whether the Partey will be fit for Liverpool, we don't know yet. We're still waiting on. Uh, we're still waiting on plenty of uh, information about the reaction to his muscular problem. Shale says, uh, or Shale, sorry, says, Tom, do you think our chance creation is still lacking? I do. If so, what do you think needs to happen for it to improve? Specific signings or coaching? Big fan of what you've done, by the way. Here, thanks, Shale. And um, apologies if I pronounce your name wrong. Do correct me. I can take it. So <laughs> tell me if I'm being an idiot and not pronouncing your name right. Um, I think that it's in part to do with a little bit of both. I think it's more, actually, I say it's a little bit to do with the players, more so to do with the coaching. I think that Arteta's coaching is exceptional in the defensive sense. I think we've improved to no end defensively. I think we can all admit that, that we've improved a lot in the defensive sense from the time of Emery and especially from the latter era of Wenger. I think that we can see the way in which we keep more clean sheets. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale, for in particular, has joined Arsenal. He's kept more clean sheets, I think, in the five clean sheets that he has than combined of 2021 and 2019-20 with both Bournemouth and Sheffield United combined. So he's having a great time and he's benefiting from a really good drilled defence in front of him. I think that Arteta's coaching and inexperience certainly is a bit lacking in the creativity side of things. I think that's where he needs to develop his coaching skills and improve and maybe we need to add some more uh, you know, coaches around him that are going to improve in that sense. I hope that we already have that in place and that that will improve i think there's a little bit to do with the players smith rowe saka Erdogan, 22 and under still very young got a lot of development still to go a lot of improvement still to have and also if you think about it our forwards have been missing chances hand over fist so arguably we should have a lot more goals and assists from our attacking midfielders than we currently do uh manu says is this just belgium but i just uh i i used to train on a regular basis with the women's team again i'm only coming from the england's perspective like from where i i am like from my perspective boys and girls get separated from a competitive sport in football at a very young age um and actually arguably if if the girls are good enough they should continue to play with the men's because it's only going to be good for their own development in the sport and so i don't know why they separate it at such a young age but that that definitely needs to be reviewed uh dirk says i mean interestingly for my 
I play six aside now on Sundays with Bailey, uh, of course, from the Arsenal way. And as far as I'm aware, from the six aside teams, you're actually not allowed. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a men's league, and so you can't have uh, a female player, which is is ridiculous when you consider that. I've played with, um, I think back to when I was teaching, there was a couple of the, the female teachers there that would obviously PE teachers that used to play and, and some still do on Sunday league games that were easily better than me, way better than me. And the fact that they couldn't be out, they couldn't play in a six-a-side league is is mad. Uh, and it's certainly something that needs to be addressed, even at that level. That's ridiculous when you think about it. Uh, Dirk says, do you think Arteta deserves more credit for developing young talent or is it too soon? Three academy players played at the weekend. And it's great to have Emil Smith-Rowe and Gab called up. Absolutely. It's such a myth that he doesn't like using youth players. Saka, Smith-Rowe, Tommy Asu's 22, Gabriel's 22, Erdogan's 22. He put Salah Adin on the bench and rewarded him for that really good bit of play. And he's brought him up. Balogun, we've seen him convinced him to sign a new contract. He's not giving them the amount of chances because we can't afford to throw him in right now. But he convinced him to sign a new deal. That's always positive. Gabriel Martinelli has been convinced to sign a new contract whilst under Arteta. Does he get enough chances? I think he could be given more. But I think there is a little bit of a cult following around um, Martinelli. And so because of that sort of things, Arteta gets a little bit of a a little bit of criticism, probably quite a bit of criticism for that sort of things. But no, I think that Arteta does deserve more credit, especially for the coaching of players and the improvement of players. Smith Rowe and Saka have improved loads. Gabriel has improved in my mind under Arteta as well. Um, we're seeing players like Tommy Asu and Tavares shine in this system. Partey's getting back to his best. Lukonga's shining as well. So players are definitely improving under Arteta. Not all of them and there are some more that do need to improve but there are plenty of examples. Um, let's go to uh, Abby who says uh, am I the only one who does not uh, does does not Gabriel to travel so far I maybe get exhausted and injured no you're not Abby there's plenty of people I disagree with you I'm more than happy for him to go and play for the Brazilian national side if he gets injured that sucks but it's part and parcel of football it's it's unavoidable right? it's, it's what it's, if we want the best players in the game they're going to be playing for the national side you can't have both it's not a perfect world if you want the best players they're going to be internationals so you're gonna to have to suck it up and deal with it. I'm afraid it's just what part. It's just what part of the game is. Uh, let's go to let's scroll down a little bit more. Alex, who says, who do you think will be our toughest fixtures outside of the top four? Wolves have looked very good. I mean, I suppose you can't count West Ham right now. They're in the top four. Uh, look, Man United's still going to be difficult when we go away from it. I know we joke about them a lot right now, but they are still going to be a very, very hard side to beat. Everton are going to be a tricky game, even though they're not having the best of times at the moment. Uh, and we go away to, to Southampton. That's always a difficult game for us. We always kind of struggle in that fixture. There are plenty of tough fixtures, Alex. Wolves, as you say, is, is another one. So arguably them. But I think that the, the other big sides are still going to be really, really tough. So there you go. Uh, let's scroll down and uh, let's go up to... John says, I've heard more than once... That comparison between Erdogan and Urza, which I find a lazy one. Erdogan is still so young. Your take on that. Hey, look, I have been guilty. I say guilty. I don't think it's necessarily guilty. I've made a comparison between Erdogan and, and Urza in terms of why I think that Arteta moved on Urzil and brought in Erdogan. And that's because of the application of his running. Urzil run a lot, run loads all over the pitch. His running stats were there for all to see. But it was the application of that running and where that running went to 
that I think is the one of the reasons why he likes Odegaard so much. Odegaard presses. Odegaard really pushes the back line when he's on the field. The amount of examples that there are in the Norwich game, the Burnley game, and the Spurs game of him really pushing those back lines and defences and forcing them into mistakes. There is untold amounts of examples of that that you can actually read on one of my pieces. That's the comparison. Beyond that, they're very they're passers. They're passing their creative midfielders. They're not the style to score loads of goals. They're passers. And that's why you probably see that comparison made between the two. But beyond that, no, I Erdogan has not got the same level of ability as Ozil once had. I hope that he can develop into a player that does. But Ozil had world-class vision and ability on the ball to find those key passes. Erdogan is a very good passer but he's got a lot more improvement and development still to go before he gets talked about in any kind of breadth as Ozil's quality. Um, Kunal says, hi, Tom. Uh, do you think Aziz has to offer something this season if he is indeed recalled? I think that in the, the, the January period where we may be without, or we will be without El Nini and Partey if we don't sign anyone, possibly, but I have a feeling that he might end up staying at Portsmouth, especially if they start adding some appearances to his time there. Billy says, do you think we need a new right back to cover to challenge for Tommy Asu? Tommy Asu has been exceptional, but the attacking aspect of his game still needs improvement. Does it need improvement? I mean, when you think about it, is that the style of right back that we have? Is that the tactics that we want to use? I understand what you're saying. That part of his game is definitely kind of the, the, the less frequent part of his game that we see, but we don't necessarily need him to have that. Because we have balance. We we have a left-back in Tavares or Tierney that attacks really high up on the left-hand side. We then have Saka and Partey in the midfield and on the wing that they push up as well. And Tommy Asu's ability to be a little bit more balanced and to be, you know, more reserved, more disciplined in his positioning enables our left-back to push up. It enables more freedom of our right centre midfielder and our right winger. So I'm not sure that we necessarily do need to say to Tommy Asu, you need to get up the pitch more. You need to be attacking down that right wing and overlapping Saka more. I don't think we do. I think he's doing a really good job and I think he's providing the balance that we've desperately needed that we were really kind of lacking. Cedric, Chambers, Bellerin, they all tried to get too far up the pitch and would leave us exposed quite often on the right flank. I like the, what Tommy Asu is bringing to the team, but I do agree with you, Billy, that I think we need to bring in someone that can be different so say we're behind by a goal or two goals or we need to get back into the game, that you can bring off Tommy Asu and add, say, a more attacking fullback. Maybe that's the kind of area that you're talking about and maybe that's the kind of change that we can make. I really like Olabiasu, uh, who is one of our youngsters coming through the youth side. I think he's doing a great job. Five assists so far this season in something like six or seven, eight games. Really, really good. Um, but you can look elsewhere. Rasmus Christensen at Red Bull Salzburg is someone that I've suggested that maybe Arsenal could go looking for. In fact, you can read uh, my article about that today. I'll leave a link to that in the description if it is already out. It's not out yet. Hopefully it will be very soon and you'll be able to read it. Let me check what time that will be out for you guys. It's scheduled to come out at... Come on, load. Oh, it should be out now. Um, is it out? It is out. So there you go. Um... 
Maybe that's not my article. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll try and find it for you guys. Oh, hold on. It's out at 10 o'clock. You'll have to find it at 10 o'clock. I'm looking at Bailey's piece. Uh, 10 o'clock, that's out. So I'll definitely tweet it from my account. And you can go give it a read on Rasmus Christensen and, and what he'll bring uh, to Arsenal if indeed we did go for him. Uh, Alex says, is it time for Martinelli to embrace the striker role? Not for me. He's a wide forwards, and that's where I would want him to stay. Christopher says, Tom, how many players do you think we need for a title challenge? Title challenge? title challenge uh four or five two starters center midfield and striker and then three depth right back center back uh and winger so i think you need to look at bringing in your world-class striker to replace a mammy angle i think you need to bring in a, another really really good central midfielder to support Partey, lakonga um and then the youngsters that are coming through make the and then I think you need to add your backup to Tommy Asu in case he gets injured. Someone that's good enough to replace him if you get if he's out for a period of time. I think we need to bring in a centre back because you've got Gabriel and Ben White. We've got Saliba coming back, great. But say what happens to us if Liverpool, if that situation happens to Liverpool, if Ben White and Gabriel are both injured, do we have enough faith in Holding and Marie to top, to challenge for a title? I don't think we do. So maybe even another depth centre back to come in as well. Um, so and then a winger. Because I would sell Pepe personally. I think you've got Smithrow, you've got Martinelli, you've got Saka, you've got Reese Nelson coming back. Look, that's not enough depth of quality. So maybe another winger. So I would say five signings, two starters, um, and and three depth signings uh, is what I would say to you know to consolidate enough quality. Is Mikel Arteta good enough for a, as a coach for a title challenge? Is another big question. We don't know. There is not enough evidence yet. We need to see where we're at at the end of the season. If we can achieve top four, that's amazing. That's an unbelievable achievement. For a side that I don't think is in the best four squads in the league, to get there would be a brilliant, brilliant achievement. But we will wait and see if that's indeed possible. Uh, top six was always my target for this season. If we don't get top four, we get top six. I'm not going to be disappointed. Top six was always my target. We have to get top six. Arguably, if Leno leaves, we need a keeper as well. So there's that. There's there's lots of things. But the fact that we're even talking about that shows you the level of improvement Edu has made to this squad with Arteta and with Richard Garlic and with the recruitment team. It shows you how much of improvement's been made to this squad, that you're even thinking about that. That's that's a brilliant, that's a big W, says Dirks. It is a W indeed. Uh, <laughs> Alex says, apparently Wenger was at the London Palladium last night. He was. Uh, interesting stories. Uh, if you want to hear some of the quotes from that, go listen to Mike uh, or go follow Mike's and Andy's and Owen's Twitter account, the Gunas Pods uh, on Twitter. Mike was at the event last night, as was Harry Simeon. So I'm sure you hear plenty from him too. Uh, and there's some quotes from the evening there. Uh, I hear that it was a very good night for all those involved. So there you go. Cameron says, Tom, how high do you rate Laconga? Is he making Maitland-Niles and Partey better players because of his defensive abilities? Uh, I rate him very highly. I think that ironically he says that he can play as an eight, but he's doing a very good role as a six at times for us. So you can only praise sorry, you can only praise um, what he's done. Uh, and that's done exceptionally well. Uh, what have I made of Liveramento? It's mad he's only 18. He's doing really, really well at Southampton. And uh, you can't see him staying there for too long. He, I think Chelsea sold him. I don't know if there's a buyback clause there, but that may look to be a bit of an error on their part if he continues being as good as he has done. Um, and with that, we're going to wrap up. That's your 30 minutes this morning. Thank you ever so much, guys, for tuning in. 
This evening, there will be a show, uh, or rather, I'm very, very hopeful that there's going to be a show with Andrew, aka Arsblog, um, on tonight, probably around 5 p.m. UK time. Make sure you tune in for that. Set your alarm clock, set your reminders. Going to be having a good chat with Andrew. And, uh, and yeah, so there we go. Uh, Colin says, Tom, you should brand your microphone. I, I will see if I can get something sorted. That's a good idea. Never considered that. I don't know how you would even get hold of someone who can make them. Maybe someone can DM me a link to getting uh, <laughs> branded microphone spit guards made. That would be great. Um, but so, yeah, join me at 5 p.m. this evening. Other than that, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. as always. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Get through it. And, uh, and then it'll be Wednesday and we're one step closer to the international break being over and the festive period very much starting. See you soon, guys. Have a fantastic day. And as always, up the us. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points perfection order now on the mcdonald's app for your mc delivery you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans